Number five, John chapter number five. And we'll pick this up in verse 39 of John chapter 5. We'll read down to the end of the chapter and then I'll have a short word of prayer. And we'll get into the message this morning. I warned the junior church downstairs. I said, I, I'm preaching this morning and I do not preach as long as Ethan preaches. So do be prepared for that. And because uh, they put their program together uh, according to Ethan's preaching. And uh, my preaching is not as long as that. It's not necessarily short either. So I'll get your hopes up. But, uh, let's see, every time I used to say that, my messages went longer and longer. So, who, who knows? We'll see. All right, John chapter, number, John chapter number five, and beginning in verse 39. But won't you just help me out? Just start me out by all, all of us read the first three words, and then I'll go from there. Let's begin. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. You will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the opportunity this morning to gather and to not only lift up our voices, and not only to give an offering, but now to sit under the preaching of your word. I pray, Lord, that you'd help me as I preach this morning. Please give me the right words to say. Give me utterance, as Paul prayed and asked for in the book of Ephesians. Help us to have listening ears and open hearts. Once again, I pray that whether someone is here or someone is watching on live stream this morning, if someone here does not know Christ as their Savior, I pray that Today would be the day that they'd be gloriously saved, brought into the family of God, adopted into the family of God by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Again, thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy. And as we just finished singing, Lord, you are more than worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. And you will always be worthy for all of eternity. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Search the Scriptures. That's the theme of my message this morning. Search the Scriptures. On January the 15th in 2009, 90 seconds after takeoff from LaGuardia Airport, the now famous U.S. Airway Flight 1549 lost all of its engine power. It struck a flock of geese at 3,200 feet. I've been on that, that route. If you've ever flown out of LaGuardia to take off and they go right up the river, you can see uh, Manhattan. I guess it would be on your left side. It's really quite, quite pretty. 
But at 3,200 feet, that flight lost all of its engine power. Three and a half minutes later, the crippled Airbus 30, A3, A320 touched down in the Hudson River. And what could have been a major loss of life, I'm sure most of you remember this story, became a textbook lesson in crisis management. Listening to the cockpit communications, it's quickly apparent that what was called the miracle on the Hudson was made possible by the skill and the poise of the captain, whose name was Chelsea Sullenberger, and his first officer, Jeff Skiles. Yet the transcript also reveals a very important tool that for decades has helped pilots manage both the routine and the unexpected of their flights. It's called the checklist. Indeed, the moment just before takeoff, you can hear on those cockpit recordings them going through the checklist. You can hear the captain, Captain Sullenberg, saying the checklist is complete. Upon losing power at 3,200 feet, he gives the directive to the co-pilot, Jeff Skiles. Now imagine, there you are, 3,200 feet, a plane full of people, and imagine the engines have stopped and you're nowhere near a, a runway. The first thing he says in those recordings to Skiles is, get out the QRH. Pretty calm. Get out the QRH. Well, you might say, well, what's the QRH? Well, every pilot would know what the QRH is. The QRH is the Quick Reference Handbook. So there you are, 3,200 feet, full of, plane full of people, no engine, and the pilot says, let's get out the reference. What do we do here in this situation? I mean, I don't know if that's the way that I would have acted. I probably would have kind of panicked a little bit. But that's why you have to put your trust, I guess, in the pilot, right? And all of the training that they get. The quick reference handbook. And the manual consists largely of checklists to be utilized in troubleshooting. And so that's what they did. I mean, you know, let's see, where's the page on how do we get, what do we do when we hit geese at 3,200 feet? Well, the engines have stopped. It's a crisis. They look to the, they look to the manual. So as they attempted to address the emotionally fraught, seemingly impossible situation, the two pilots simply had a handbook to look to. And they looked in that handbook. They read what the handbook said. And as you know, they landed that plane. They bellied that plane down on the Hudson River. And then New Yorkers came. It's cold. The river was freezing cold. New Yorkers came in their boats, and they rescued everyone on that flight. Well, it's a great illustration, because you and I have a handbook as well. Amen? It's called the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. And I want to preach to you about that this morning and the importance of the Word of God. You see, every person who goes through life is on course for some type of an eternity. Either an eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven or an eternity in a place called hell. That's just the reality of things. In fact, all of the people who were on that flight, all of them, they were, they, for all they knew, they, those were the last moments of their life. I wonder how many of them thought, where would they spend eternity? 
And whether you're here this morning or whether you're watching on the live stream, all of us are going to spend eternity somewhere. Or all of us, even those of us that have already accepted Christ as our Savior, we are going to find ourselves in situations in life and times in life where, what do I do? Where do I go? What do I say? Well, we don't have to wonder because we have the quick reference handbook right here, the Bible, amen? The Word of God. And so Jesus, as he's, as he's addressing, really he's addressing the Pharisees here in John chapter 5, he's dealing with them and he says to them, search the scriptures. Look what it says in verse 39. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Listen, the influence that the Bible has had upon the world is really, or cannot be overstated. It's had a, proud, a profound effect not only on individuals, but on entire civilizations. From the arts, to the sciences, to the very fabric of our very nation. I was having this discussion with someone recently about our founding fathers, and they were disputing whether or not the nation was founded on Christian principles. And I just said to them, listen, plainly, just read some of the founding fathers' documents. The Bible is all over those documents. Take a trip to Washington and plaster it all over Washington, D.C., our Bible verses. Now, we've come a long way from that, I would say, in Washington, but it's pretty undisputable that there was an effect. When you study, and I'm no expert in any of these things, but just a casual observance of the great artists in the world, men like da Vinci and Rembrandt, Michelangelo, they were all influenced by the Bible. Many of, their, many of their famous paintings are influenced by the Bible and the works of the Bible, the readings of the Bible. Beethoven and um, Mendelssohn and, and many of the great composers. Handel's Messiah. Fifteen books of the Bible are quoted in Handel's Messiah. The Bible. The authors, many an author. I was reading about a man by the name of General Lee Wallace. General Lee Wallace was a territorial governor after the Civil War. He was not a believer. He began his quest because his wife had come to know Jesus Christ as her Savior to disprove the Bible. And in his efforts to disprove the Bible, he became a believer. By the way, he went on to write the classic Ben-Hur. But somebody more of our a contemporary of our time, there's a famous newspaper man by the name of Lee Strobel. He was an award-winning writer for the Chicago Tribune. His wife also became a believer. And in his quest to disprove the Bible, he came to know Christ as his Savior and has written numerous books, The Case for Christ, the case for Christmas, and, and several others. Left the newspaper business and now is an outspoken believer. Many skeptics. I was reading about the astronaut Charles Duke. Charles Duke left NASA. Uh, it was a much heralded astronaut, and uh, he was not a believer. After leaving the Apollo program, he bought into and owned a large Coors beer distribution, distributorship. His wife 
and son became believers. They were on the verge of divorce. His wife invited him. He was a skeptic. His wife invited him to church. Soon after that, he accepted Christ as his Savior. Was led to sell his business and is involved in ministry. I was reading the account of the astronaut James Irwin. When James Irwin, who was a believer and was involved in the Apollo missions, in fact, is a famous, he has a famous testimony when he was trying to put equipment and set up equipment on the moon. It wouldn't work. In his testimony, he took a few minutes and he prayed, and it all just came together. When he came back to a hero's welcome, and they took him down New York on Broadway, and there's a ticker tape parade, in his testimony, as he went down that ticker tape parade, heralded as a hero, the Lord spoke to his heart, and he said, the Lord said, James, it's more important that you teach men how to walk on the earth than it is that you teach men how to walk on the moon. And he left everything and became an outspoken Christian. The Word of God. The Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17, well-known scriptures on your handout. All scripture is given by inspiration and it's profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Whether it's the Old Testament, whether it's the New Testament, it's the Word of God, the Word inspiration, the breath of God. And the Word of God is given to us, as you see on your handout, the word doctrine. These are the things which we, which we, uh, uh, which are the right things that God teaches us. And the word reproof, the things which are wrong, and correction, how to make them right. And instruction, how to keep them right in our lives. And Jesus here, when he asks this question, this is, this is kind of interesting, because he says in verse 39 of our text, search the scriptures, for in them you think that you have eternal life. They have to understand who he's speaking to here. He's speaking to men of the scriptures, to the Pharisees. And yet, the Pharisees, who were men of the Scriptures, were missing out on the Scriptures. He wasn't speaking to people who didn't read the Bible. These men would claim to adore the Bible. Uh, the, the, the copying of the Bible was in great um, uh, regard and would be revered. You know, as you know, in the Old Testament, because it was such a sacred and holy uh, job to... Um, write out the scriptures that they would, when they wrote the names of the word for God, they would leave out the vowels. And yet Jesus is saying to them, you need to search the scriptures because you think you have eternal life, but you don't. And there are many people in churches today and around the world, even people who claim to be Christians who are missing out on really what the word of God says, the truth of God's word. Look at verse 46 of, of, uh, of the text here. Look what Jesus says here. For had you believed Moses, he's saying this to them. They had, they had Moses. They had 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those are the chapters written, we believe, by Moses. But they had, not only did they have the law, they had all the prophets as well. And he says to them, listen, if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. He spoke of me. In fact, Pastor Ethan made this point. I don't know if it was last Sunday or the, the Sunday previous. Every book of the Bible points to Jesus Christ. Every book points to Christ. And here Jesus came, the Messiah, and the Pharisees, the quote-unquote religious leaders of the day, they were missing out. I'm always astounded uh, when the wise men came to Jerusalem and they said, um, and, and they were looking for the Messiah. And uh, where is he that is born king of the Jews? And the, the priest said, well, uh, and they had seen the star in the east. Everyone had seen the star in the east. In fact, in the Old Testament, it prophesied with regards to the scepter would rise out of the east. And there were numerous other scriptures. And they said to the wise men, well, the scriptures say that he's in Bethlehem. Why didn't they go down to Bethlehem to see the Christ child? But the Bible, the word of God. And so here the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they were missing out. And so I just wanted to take verse 39 this morning and kind of just take this verse and think about some things, kind of dissect it. So it's a very simple message this morning. But, but for me, for me, the scriptures are everything. They're everything. It's hard to get through a day for me without opening my Bible. Honestly, I'd rather read the Bible than eat and I like to eat. But I want to feed on my daily bread. I don't know, and, and, and maybe this will step on some toes here this morning, but I just don't know how you can be a Christian and get through the day without spending some time in the Word of God. I just don't know. How can that be? How can you really be right with God? It burdens my heart. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's why... We look at our culture and we're so quick to, to, to identify all of the problems of the culture. I think one of the great problems of the culture is people need to search the scriptures. It would take a lot of, it would take care of a lot of the problems in our culture. Amen? But search the scriptures. I'm too busy, some people say. Pastor Andrew, if you say, then you are too busy. Stop doing some things. I just believe that when he said that as a young Christian. I thought, yeah, that's pretty good. And I try to do my reading in the morning, but if I miss, I'll find a, a day. And some days I'll read chapters, some days I'll read verses, but I've got to have some of the Bible every day. Search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So let me give you these three simple points on the back of your handout this morning. I've already said chapter 5 is a dialogue between Jesus and the religious crowd. People who had the Scriptures, but they're lost. They've rejected the Messiah. they rejected Christ. They were, more, they were more concerned in chapter 5, if we had time, if we went back to the beginning of chapter 5, this is where Jesus heals the man that's been sitting at the pool of Bethesda for 39 years. And Jesus says, take up thy bed and walk. The religious crowd was more concerned 
that the man picked up a bed and broke the law of the Pharisees by carrying the bed than they were that he was actually healed. In fact, when they asked him, who was it that healed thee? Jesus left so quickly, the man didn't even know Jesus yet. Jesus would appear later in chapter to him in the temple. And, uh, and Jesus would declare himself to this man and who he was. But the Pharisees, they were so upset. In, in verse 10, they said, it's the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. The man for 39 years had been not able to walk. He sat by this pool. And now he can walk. And all they cared about was he was carrying his bed around. Well, he said, I don't know. He said, but the man that made me whole, he said, take up thy bed and walk. So that's what I'm going to do. And then later on, the man would tell the Jews, yeah, it was Jesus. It was Jesus that did this. And what was their reaction? Well, in verse 18 of chapter 5, they, for, therefore the Jews, they sought the more to kill him because he had not only broken the Sabbath, but said also that God of his Father, making himself equal with God. Search the Scriptures. That's what he said to them. And really, that's a, that should be a command for all of us. Search the Scriptures. That's the plan. That's the plan if you notice on your handout. Because Jesus said, in them, in the Scriptures, in the Word of God, in them, the Bible, the 66 books, in them you have eternal life. So the plan is to take the Bible, the Word of God. Why is it on Wednesday nights we're run a bus or our Sunday mornings we're running and bringing kids in or we invite people to come to church what do we bring them here for? Uh, we don't bring them... Listen, we're not, I mentioned we're going to give them dinner on Wednesday night. We're not bringing them here primarily to give them dinner. We want to, we want to, we're feeding them physically, but we're trying to feed them spiritually. Trying to get the Word of God into them because the, the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and convince boys and girls, men and women, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's how people come to know Christ as their Savior. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And you and I should never forget that. It should be, the Bible should be precious to us. We gave this little girl who's on our bus, Deborah and Ethan gave that, her a little Bible. A, well, it's a nice Bible. And this little girl, she comes out, her name is Karina. She, And she lives with her grandparents. And she comes out every, every Wednesday and every Sunday morning with her Bible tucked under her arm. And uh, they tell me down in junior church and in, and in Wednesday night Bible club that she just sits there and eats up the lesson. Because why? Is it to say, oh, we have a Bible club? No, we have a place where we want people to hear about Jesus. I told my adult Sunday school class this morning that the little boy Isaiah I've been praying for to come. His two brothers had been coming last Wednesday. He came for the first time. Man, that was good. And on your handout under the plan in Acts chapter 17, after Paul was chased out of the city of Thessalonica for bringing the word of God to them, 
The Bible says, and the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. That means they sent them out of Thessalonica, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Every day they searched the scriptures. They searched the scriptures. Give us this day our daily bread. That was part of the model prayer that the Lord gave. That should be part of our prayer every day. I don't think any of us have to go home and pray that God puts food in our cupboards, but we ought to all go home and pray that God puts a burden of our heart to be in his word every day. That's the plan, because the scriptures, that's our, because just like in the flight that took off from LaGuardia Airport, if you're saved, you're going to come to, there's going to be a crisis at some point in your life. I've had plenty of them in my own life, my own family's life. Crises that come. Death of siblings, of, of nephews, financial setbacks. We have a reference book. Now, the thing about these two pilots is, I'm sure, in their training, they knew that reference, they knew that book quite well. That's why they were so calm. They knew that in that quick reference handbook was the answer to the situation that they were dealing with. And they only had minutes. So that also tells me they pretty much knew where to turn in the handbook to figure out what to do in that situation. But that comes through training and through use and through reading and, and understanding. And so, But that's the plan that they were given when a crisis comes. Well, God's given us a plan when crisis comes. Search the scriptures for in them, in them, in the word of God. But here, the purpose, really the end game is eternal life. For in them you think you have eternal life. Eternal life. We're all not going to live forever, not in this world, amen? Oh, I just had to sign up for Medicare. That's been interesting. Went to the doctors for my annual physical. Oh, Medicare doesn't give annual physicals. What do you mean they don't give annual physicals? That's a whole other story. All this red tape and all. We had our, some of our kids gave us a gift of family pictures. I'm sure some of you saw them online on Facebook. And I look in those pictures and I see the guy standing in the middle and I said, who's the guy with the gray hair? Who's the old guy in that picture? My wife came home the other day, and I was up in the backyard, and she said, yeah, I saw you up there with your silver hair. Oh, man. I thought, well, at least I still have it. <laughs> no offense to you. That It's the Word of God that has the answer. Eternal life. I, I went to my cousin's, my second cousin, my cousin's daughter's daughter, who we were praying for. She died in a terrible accident seven months ago over in the Catskills with her brother on a four-wheeler. The four-wheeler flipped, and she died. I remember going to that funeral 
and walking up to my cousin Nancy and hugging her and saying, thank God for Calvary. Her husband's a pastor in New York, and her daughter and her husband and family are very faithful believers. But thank God for Calvary. Thank God for the cross and the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But the word of God, look on your handout. All through the book of the Acts of the Apostles, you see this. I just gave you three examples here. You know, the marching orders for the church when, when Jesus ascended into heaven was to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them whatsoever things I have commanded you. In other words, I've left the quick reference handbook. Start to teach them about these things. And I get it, the, the, the New Testament canon wasn't complete when Jesus ascended into heaven, but it would soon be complete, and that's what the apostles did. The Acts of the Apostles, I always like to call it, I don't like to call it the book of Acts, because the real title is the Acts of the Apostles. This is what they did when they went out. They preached the word of God, they established churches. Whether it was in Jerusalem or in the missionary journeys that um, the Apostle Paul took, the three journeys that he took, and, and the others that went out. But the purpose, they preached, they increased the word of God. In Acts chapter 6, look at verses 6 and 7. Or verse six, chapter 6, verse 7 on your handout. This, by the way, is right after, this is in the very early days of the church, and there were so many people coming to Christ that the apostles, their, their time was being spent feeding people and ministering to the widows. So this is when there were seven deacons that would be chosen to do that. And they were, they, they were chosen to do that so the apostles could spend their time in prayer, and the Bible says, and in the ministering of the word. And it says in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Some of those who Jesus was referring to back in the Gospel of John, you have the scriptures, but you think you have eternal life, but you're missing out here. Some of those, they came to know Christ as their Savior. Acts 13.44 And the next Sabbath day came the, almost the whole city. This is when Paul is preaching in Antioch. The next Sabbath day Almost the whole city came together. Why? To hear the word of God. In fact, if we turn there, but we won't for sake of time, you could see that when Paul preached, he said, this has been published now all throughout Judea. The word of God had been published and sent all throughout Judea. Those are the words that he uses. And he said, and throughout that whole region. Acts chapter 18. He's in Corinth. This is what this is speaking of. When Paul went to Corinth and established a church there. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word. It, it actually used to say Acts chapter 18, 11. I think on your handout it's Acts 18, 1. But he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. The word of God. 
we were, some of us were talking, and um, I don't know if you mind, Amy, sharing that story about your choir. But Amy does a homeschool choir, and um, some of my grandkids are involved in it, and it's a pretty good-sized group. So I asked her, well, are all the kids in that group, are they, do they all come from families who are believers? And she said, no, not necessarily. And so she, we were talking about the program and putting a Christmas program together. Um, I think if I understood it correctly, maybe some have suggested, can we do some of the, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and she doesn't do that. But many of the carols, they, I mean, many of the Christmas carols, they tell you the whole story of why Jesus came. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Part of my wife's testimony, I said, is when she was a little girl in school, they'd still sing those types of Christmas carols. And that was kind of the first time Jesus came and presented himself. That's the power of the Word of God. That's the power of God's Word. And here he says, listen, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. It is true, Jesus said, in the scriptures. In the scriptures. And it brings us really to the last point this morning. So first there's a plan, the scriptures. In them, in the scriptures. He says to these who had the scriptures but were missing out. There's eternal life. There's a place we're all going to spend eternal life. But notice what he says here. They testify, the very last three words of chapter verse 39, they testify of me. I mentioned this too in the adult Bible class. Listen, let's always remember this, that salvation, salvation is not in a system or a plan. Salvation is in a person. The person of Jesus Christ. That's where salvation is found. It is unfortunate, but in some churches, Christian churches, they quote unquote, there's a step. Follow these steps. Boom, 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 boom. And then you become a Christian. Well, we know and understand that truly a Christian is born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves upon that individual and convicts them of their sin and of their need of Christ. But the reality is you and I we, before we accepted Christ, we were dead, spiritually dead in our sin. And, and, and the Holy Spirit came and touched our hearts and we called out to the Lord and received Christ as our Savior. We trusted in His grace and in His mercy. And so the Scriptures, Jesus reminds them, listen, listen, they testify of me. Look at verse 24 of chapter 5 if your Bibles are open. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Wow, so true. On our handout again in the book of Acts, here's the apostles. This is Peter preaching. The first, I believe the first message that Peter preaches in the book of Acts. He concludes that message in chapter 4 and verse 12 with these words. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. 
in chapter 3, just before he preaches that message, he raised a man who was lame. And he said, did Peter, silver and gold have I none? But in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. It's all about the name of Jesus. And presenting Him as the Savior of the world. Later in Acts chapter 10, as Paul was presenting the Gospel to Cornelius, the Gentile, he said to him, to him give all the prophets witness that through His name, whosoever believeth in Him shall receive remission of sin. The Word of God. Search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life and they testify of Me. So the plan is found in the Word of God. That's why we support over 40 missionaries. So they preach the Word of God. We just had our brother Lawrence Evans here. I was in York and I was walking down the street of York and there's gypsies in York. So I, you know, most of you know Lawrence, he ministers to the gypsies. So there was a gypsy establishment. So I, I, I shot, took a picture of gypsy establishment and reached out to Lawrence. I said, Lawrence, these are your people here. And he said, yes, they are. He said, go in there and tell them my name and see if they know my, I, he didn't use the word, but he basically said, if they know my clan, they probably do. But we were, unfortunately, it was the next day and we were on our way. But Lawrence in Romania has a kitchen named after his wife who's gone to be with the Lord Sally's kitchen. And they feed people there. Their primary business is not to feed them. Their primary business is to preach to them the Word of God. Search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of Me. He, said, he challenged them. Jesus, as we finish here, He said in verse 40, You'll not come to Me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. I come in My Father's name, and you receive Me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you receive. It's almost like Jesus saying, you'll receive anybody but me. Do not think, verse 45, that I will accuse you to the Father. Therefore is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. Right there in the Scriptures, Moses wrote of me, and you've missed it. If you had believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? And so this morning, search the Scriptures. If you're watching online or if you're here, listen, it's through the Word of God that people come to know Christ. If you're sitting here, maybe the Holy Spirit of God right now is pricking at your heart, speaking to you about eternity, convincing and convicting you of your lost condition. I can't do that. Only the Spirit of God can do that. I can just take the Word of God and bring it, and I depend upon the Holy Spirit of God to just speak to your heart. That's how it works. I'm just the instrument. Let's go to John chapter 11, and I'm done. I'm just going to read this. We're going to have a word of prayer, and it will be done. Because John chapter 11 says this. And we've seen the plan, it's in the Scriptures, we've seen the purpose, we have eternal life. But it's all about the person, Jesus. John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus saith unto her, this, this by the way is after uh, Lazarus is raised from the dead. 
after four days. Jesus saith unto her, meaning Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And he asks the question, Believest thou this? That's the eternal question that every man, woman, boy, and girl has to answer. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. If you're here today, understand that Jesus came to die for your sins on the cross. He was buried and three days later he rose from the dead. And for all that put their faith and trust in him, you have eternal life. Bow our heads this morning for a word of prayer. With our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, or if you're watching on the live stream and God has spoken to your heart about this, just take a moment. Get along with the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know if I've ever received you that way or heard it that way, but right here and now I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I believe, Jesus, that you died and paid for my sin. That's what it means to be saved. You're either saved or you're lost. And right where you sit, you can be saved. You just bow your head and heart before God. God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. For we're all sinners. We've all broken the law of God. And I believe, Jesus, that you died and you paid for my sin. And right now, I want to put my trust in what you did for me on the cross 2,000 years ago. And I call upon you to be my Savior. Come into my heart and save me. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The scriptures teach that. Maybe you're here this morning and you called upon him to be your savior. Listen, if you have, I'd like to pray for you. I won't come to you, point you out, or embarrass you in any way. But if you're in the auditorium this morning and you just right now pray and ask Jesus to be your savior, we you do this. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, no one's looking. But I'd like for you to pray. I'd like to pray for you to grow in the faith. You just slip up your hand and put it down. Today, Pastor, I ask Jesus to be my Savior. I ask Jesus to be my Savior, anyone at all. If you're watching on the live stream, maybe today's the day that you've done that. We'd encourage you to contact the church. We'd like to send you some more material, some reference material. Maybe you need a Bible. We'd be more than happy to send you that as well. For those of you that are already saved, don't forget you got a quick reference handbook. Love it, learn it, lean upon it. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us this morning. Bless this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, if you've placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire 
is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.